Hey everyone, welcome to episode 94 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in this house. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, we've, we're, we're recording from our new house. Oh yeah, it feels good. First episode, uh, I will go ahead and say that it's going to be a little bit reverby this episode because I don't have anything on my walls. Definitely some kinks to be ironed out. But hopefully we will have that fixed up by next episode. But we're in our magic house. Yep. Uh, it's right, great. Right now it's it's me and you and Zan and Jeremy. Yep. Evan Whitehouse in a couple of weeks. and w- Weeks or months. Or months. Sure. Some, some, some <laughs> yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Maybe. Right. But, you know, we're all set up. I'm kind of... I don't know, man. Like, this podcast started because we were sitting at the Invitational and I was thinking that I kind of wanted to do a podcast and I was thinking I should mention this like near Collins because <laughs> I snapped it off. <laughs> like you were the best player that I was friends like in our circle and I yeah. wanted to make sure to like, you know, get somebody good on the podcast. Give me the opportunity. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean like, you know, definitely wouldn't have stayed in touch and stuff like that without i don't know so this this yeah. is all really cool that this has happened no i i'm so happy with how far we've come for mm-hmm. sure yeah definitely anyways we are the mtg grindcast yep i'm ccr i'm collins mullen we're here we are doing this podcast uh <laughs> this podcast this week is mostly about all of the mpl brouhaha some drama nonsense some, drama. Some drama. yeah for sure uh, some big changes to the MPL uh, roster was kind of the big announcement this week, and yeah. that cascaded into a lot of discussion that we will go over. Yeah. So for anybody who has not been paying attention, who's not, you know, constantly on Twitter, I would, one of the nice things about the podcast is I put my phone down for like an hour and a half, and it's, then when I... Yeah, it's good. <laughs> right. And then when I come back, there's like all this neat stuff. <laughs> But yeah, so if you have not been paying attention to everything on Twitter and stuff, I mean, number one, Yuya got DQ'd for cheating yeah. and then got suspended from Magic for two and a half years, kicked out of the MPL, kicked out of the Hall of Fame. Right. So that's one slot open in the MPL. Yeah. And then just a few days ago, Jerry T resigned from the Magic Pro League. Yep. So that opened up a second spot. Uh, Jerry T wrote a pretty specific and kind of damning letter about the decision that he made. You know, he summed it up in some individual points. Uh, Number one, the contracts. They didn't have a chance to negotiate their contracts at all. They just were... It was pretty much just sign this or walk. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty worker-unfriendly. The way that, you know, coverage of the paper Mythic Championships didn't change at all after the success of the Mythic Invitational. We really just got Pro Tour coverage once again. Communication lacking the lack of vetting of players apparently because we had some that really should not have been in the MPL in the first place and just lack of communication lack of changing with you know being nimble changing when things need to change and that sort of thing he he said he had hoped to change the MPL from the inside but they were not listening to the players in a way that made him feel he was able to do that right so pretty remarkable just on a like you know personal admiration level (laughs) to give up that amount of equity to stand up for your beliefs yeah jerry's definitely proven himself to be a man of integrity you know this isn't the first time that he's done something similar to this Mm -hmm. he opted to not participate in worlds yep 
because there was a lot of stuff going on at the time that he didn't agree with and wanted to take a stance. And here he is again taking another stance. So, you know, good for him. And I think that we owe him it to Jerry to continue on this conversation and really talk about our thoughts on all this stuff. Yeah, so I think we're going to try to hit on kind of all of the major issues that are being discussed with this today. Yeah. So, so both the like slots opening up and the replacements that have come that have been invited into those slots, the new like system of inviting like sixteen special invites to the arena mythic championships, and also just sort of the general feelings from kind of the grinder class about what the situation is right now, both right. for people at the PTQ level and people at the like gold pro ish right level. Right, for sure. So I mean the major thing is that to fill these slots, the choices that have been made, you know, we had a slot before, Autumn Burchett was mm-hmm. chosen. Pretty uncontroversial since they had won the first Mythic Championship. Yeah. Uh, so that that didn't raise too many eyebrows. This time, though, to fill these two slots, we've got Jessica Estefan, the first woman to win a GP. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was in the Mythic Invitational and she's played a couple of pro tours. And we also had Savits, who was his streamer from Finland, comes from Hearthstone originally, and made the top four of the Mythic Invitational. Yeah. Reaction to these particular choices <laughs> was not overwhelmingly positive, I'd have to say. Yes. And kind of for valid reasons and non-valid reasons, I would say, based on the kinds of criticism that was initially thrown at these candidates. Mm-hmm. The immediate question that everybody seemed to want to answer for themselves about these candidates was, did they deserve it? Mm-hmm. Your opinions may vary based on your perspectives of what you believe the MPL should be. But the kind of the biggest problem is that we don't really have any foundation of what the MPL is. Right. We it's completely up for interpretation. We don't we don't know, uh, you know, where they're trying to take this. You know, if if the MPL is supposed to be completely made up of, you know, professional players who have earned their way in through results, mm-hmm. or if it should be more of a promotional thing for Wizards. Right. And it I. It, I'm fairly confident that a majority of players assumed that it would be a group made up of people who have earned their spot through their dedication to the game. Well, they they set us up for that expectation. Yeah. Because I think when they first announced the Magic Pro League, we didn't know anything about what the criteria for choosing the competitors would be. And there was a lot of conjecture that, okay, well, I wonder if they're going to have some streamers and some pros and and do something like that, which is what they ended up doing with the Mythic Invitational. And I think it was kind of surprising, and to me it was heartening, when they revealed the Magic Pro League and it was the top 32 pro point earners from the past year. Right. With a a couple of minor exceptions, but all platinum pros who had done well in the past year and a half or so. And that made me feel like, okay, this is a level of dedication that they are giving to the people who have given them that dedication back. We're going to get to watch high-level competitive magic, and we're going to focus on personalities that are really important to the highest levels of competitive play. Right. I don't know that that's necessarily the best 
track for them to take. And I'm thinking that this new, like the fact that they set up that expectation and then now they're giving us something very different by filling those two slots with people who are, you know, the Jessica and Savitz are both good magic players. Like that's not really a question, but they have not done the grinding and the battling and the like many, many pro tours of play and the earning their way up to platinum. That's not something that they've done. So they're very much an exception to the standard that had been set by the original class of the MPL. Right. So what this sort of indicates to me is that once again, Wizards is kind of flying by the seat of their pants on this one. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of my, my biggest, my biggest takeaway from all of this happening is that Wizards once again put themselves into a position where no matter what decision they ended up making was going to be poorly received. Because <laughs> um, they didn't set up any rules for right. if somebody dropped. They just clearly yeah. didn't posit the possibility that right. somebody would not finish out the year. Right. Yeah. They, you know, that definitely wasn't like a little loophole that they made sure to have a solution for. They had to come up with a solution for it. Pretty pretty obviously. And, and we came up with like different solutions. Right. The first time a slot opened up, yep. and now this time that a slot opened up. The benefit for, for Wizards is that the reality is that with this kind of thing, they can do whatever they want. Yes. And they have chosen to do whatever they wanted for this. <laughs> you know, And that's kind of the reality that we're living in. And, but, you know, the big... The reason that this is a huge point of contention is that, like, there are going to be many camps in, of uh, people who believe that it should be one way or another, and that truth with the fact that they didn't set any precedence means that there's going to be a, a, a large number of people who are not happy with the yep. result because you just can't please everybody. For sure. And I mean, I definitely, and I want to give what my like actual take after some time spent thinking about this yep. is um, my initial response was why um, and I definitely, like, I want to, like, examine that response within myself yeah. a little bit more. Um, and, like, I definitely felt some response to Jessica Estefan being chosen because, you know, my initial gut reaction is like, well, she doesn't deserve it, right? But I don't like that response in myself. And I think it comes from a place of, like, internalized privilege and probably some amount of misogyny that just like exists within me and I would like to not have <laughs> as much. Right. The, I, I don't mind, uh, Jessica Estefan having a slot. Yep. I, I actually think after I've thought about it for a while, I think that that was a very reasonable choice. Mm-hmm. She is the highest placing female competitor, uh, right now, um, outside of autumn who's already in. Yep. And, it, you know, if we want to increase the diversity of the MPL, she's the pick. Yep. You know, if we're going to add a, a woman, then we should add the woman add, who is the, the women you know, who are at the highest ranks. Exactly. So, you know, that fits into my personal belief of what the MPL should be, which mm-hmm. is that it should be a merit based thing where the people who are the most successful get to join in. Yep. And Jessica qualifies in that category because, you know, she had to compete 
from uh, Australia too. So you know, like a couple of big barriers. Of, yeah, there. a lot of barriers that she had to fight through in order to compete and get to where she was. Yeah. Not only is she a woman and all of the you know, all the things that make that more difficult in the magic community, but also, you know, she was in Australia, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and, and that, after I took a minute and actually thought about it, that's where I ended up. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't like that that was my initial gut reaction, but I want to be honest that that's how I felt reading the announcement. But yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I realized. Because how else do you make space for women and for other minority groups in Magic? You can't just say, you know, come to this Come to these game stores. They're friendlier now. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, Wizards has always had that. I think Mark Rosewater always talks about this thing that like half of Magic players are women. It's just that all of them stay home and play kitchen table Magic because game stores aren't the friendliest place for women and tournaments are not. Every girl I've talked to who plays at tournaments has said that, yeah, it is weird going to a tournament hall and being one of like three or four women in this 700 800 900 person tournament right like it's not friendly and women are absolutely at a disadvantage while playing magic and the way that affirmative action works and i'm a strong believer in affirmative action is that you open up spaces at the top in in privileged places yeah and allow people who don't have those privileges to exist within those spheres right and so providing examples of female competitive players who are playing magic at the highest level then encourages more women and girls to play the game. Yep. And I honestly don't think there's another way to do that. Right. Given given all of that, I'm pretty happy with that slot given yep. in terms of So happy with the slot? Not, I'm not happy with how this got executed, though. Oh, of course. Because I think what happened here is they said, all right, Arena's doing great. we yeah. got to do a thing. <laughs> they did the NPL. Right. It happened really fast. Yeah. And then they said, okay, how do we do this? We'll grab the top 32. Right. And then I think a couple of months in, they were like, geez, this is like a couple of Japanese dudes and a bunch of white guys, isn't it? <laughs> right. So they didn't start out with a way of having this be a diverse league. Yeah. And then to just sort of shoehorn it in, it is not a good diversity policy to be like, whenever one of these dudes drops out, we'll like find a woman to replace them. Yeah. And that looks really bad because while it is probably moving in the the right direction Mm -hmm. of, you know, increasing diversity... It does make it look really bad to a lot of people who already have poor perspectives of this whole thing. You know, there's going to be a lot of Magic players who are looking at this and saying, you know, oh, okay, we're kicking out a bunch of dudes and adding in a bunch of girls, you know, and that, and that, that does not resonate with a lot of people. It, it, it looks, it looks pretty bad. Right. Because instead of just, instead of elevating female players it becomes a play thing where it's like all right we're literally taking these slots away right know? yeah we you know and it's the whole like you know you took our jobs thing all <laughs> over again it's like and of course it's an illogical and terrible argument right but it doing it this way just makes it so easy to kind of have that as a um 
uh, what's the phrase as a straw man mm-hmm. they, they've just like you know completely set themselves up for that and that right feels bad like what they really needed to do was start off and say all right here are the rules for how we're, we've set up the MPL mm-hmm. these are you know x number of the highest pro points earners x number of the highest pro points earners who are not male identified and X number from this region or whatever that is underserved. Mm-hmm. However they want to do it to increase minority representation, like it would be good to have it in right. the rules yeah. instead of by the super seat of yeah. the pants thing. And the other thing that bothers me still is that when I remember like waiting on the MPL announcement, like I heard, you know, I heard about mm-hmm. it and I was like, wow, this is gonna be really cool. I can't wait to see like the structure of it. Yeah. That structure was I was waiting for it, and it was never delivered. I was super <laughs> excited to learn how you could make it into the MPL. Still a Nobody complete knows. and utter mystery. How, you know, when you rotate it out. Like, I was hoping that they would create some system, and in my mind I had a bunch of ideas. I was like, okay, so maybe there's, like, some sort of ranking system within the MPL, and mm-hmm. the bottom X, X players are not invited, and then those slots are up for grabs in some... Right, we don't know what structure, the relegation structure system thing. is. Yeah, but yeah. none of that exists. The MPL literally just is the thirty-two players that that are qualified that that Watsi has selected. Yep. Um, it used to be the top thirty-two, and that was like some structure to it. Mm-hmm. But it's just no longer the case. Yeah. Um, is that they're just kind of adding in whoever they want, and you know the reality is that if that's how Wizards wants it to be, which is we're just going to have whoever we want into here, mm-hmm. that is a world that we are currently living in, and we may continue to live in. Yeah, but it is not. It's just somehow dissatisfying to me. It it feels like yeah the MPL suddenly like by having it be that way the MPL means less, and all of these things kind of like compound on each other, and make it. M- more and more of just this nebulous concept that feels extremely underdeveloped and underexplained. Right. And granted, we are in the first year of this. Yeah. Like, this whole concept is a a baby. But it feels like they just didn't get anybody who has done... So, so like, the, the idea of a consultant is, like, very... I'm not about it. Right. Because I think it's like mostly a made up job uh, <laughs> for people who have gone to business school to make a lot of money at. Sure. But in this sort of like specialized developmental thing where you're creating a whole new, uh, just a, a huge whole new system, mm-hmm. how have they not had consultants come in who have done esports leagues before and be right. like, this is how we, s-. it feels like they are completely making it up as they go along. Right. And this has been done so many times before. Right. There's so many games that have yeah. pro leagues. Absolutely. And the other thing that I found out through kind of keeping up with all of this stuff is that the I, I know that there used to be a, uh, a team, I guess, of uh, players mm-hmm. who, they w- who would act as consultants for Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. I remember that that existed. Um, right, that was like Willie Edel. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that a lot of really positive stuff came out of that. But one thing that I found through all of the things that have happened here it was that, that that team of consultants that are players and like in the community no longer exists. Yep. This and this seems why? like a more important <laughs> why, time. Why did we ever hear of that? Yeah. <laughs> I I think they just at some point were like, all right, well we're starting the MPL, so everybody will love this. We don't need 
any input anymore. Right. Yeah. That. Which what is a, what a which terrible is wild. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, now that we're uh, setting out on a journey to create something really new and interesting, we'll just we'll just ignore everybody again. It's it's pretty crazy. Uh, I want to clarify a couple of uh, tweets that I made that I think people didn't completely understand. <laughs> okay. All right. So number one, I tweeted out that uh, if during this discussion you refer to women as females, you're probably you're you're gonna you're about to make a really bad point. Okay. Um, and I don't mean so so just for anybody who is not quite understanding this because like English is not everybody's first language, like like language in general is not everybody's like first love. If you use female as an adjective, that's fine. Female magic player. It's just a descriptor. Yeah. If you talk about females, like now we got to make space in the NPL for females. Uh, calling human women females, like using it as a noun, is like kind of dehumanizing and really has a a connotation of just this weird othering alien thing. And I would really encourage people to not use it as a noun when referring to human women because it is like commonly used to describe animals, the female of the species. Right. Um, And so that's what that tweet is about. You can use it as an adjective. It's fine. That doesn't have the same connotation. The other tweet that I made was about how I really don't like Savits being in the MPL. And I do, you know, I, I definitely do like Jessica in the MPL. I wish that they had done this a little more in a more structured way and had more women and ideally minority representation from other groups. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that a lot of people have been saying, why isn't Greg Orange in the MPL? Yeah, Greg, Greg definitely made a... Um a pretty loud tweet recently yes. about how he was he felt like the push towards diversity was disingenuous yep uh from Watsi because he was a very strong candidate for the MPL and they not chose all, not to include right pro tour champion and mm-hmm. also was not quite in the top 32 but was a high point earning platinum pro, pro last yes. year right and he is black right um and so to simultaneously make this announcement that, because at the same time they said, we're adding 16 special invitations for diversity purposes to the Arena Mythic Championships. Yeah. And so kind of connected with that, the insinuation is like, that's one of the reasons that we're inviting Jessica Estevan into the MPL to increase representation. Right. But then the other person they're inviting into the MPL is not Greg Orange, right. not, you know, Pro Tour Champion Platinum Pro, who is black. Right. It is Savitz who is a white guy from Finland who streams and is well-known and well-liked. Yeah. And the only Magic tournament he's played in is the Mythic Invitational. He doesn't have any GP matches, doesn't have any Pro Tour matches. Right. I I like Savits. You know, I think he's an excellent streamer. I think he's a strong player. I think he played well in the Mythic Invitational. I don't think that results from the Mythic Invitational are particularly meaningful but that's a whole other thing (laughs) i like savitz as a streamer and as a person even and even as a player but i don't think that he he, you don't think that he was the best candidate for this slot i do not and the reason comes down to he was on his stream somebody from in his chat asked him if he was going to play in the paper mythic championships and he said, oh, I don't know. Like, I haven't quite figured it out yet. 
I have to take a week off of streaming to do it. And this is all legitimate. Like part of the reason that 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 his concern there is legitimate is because the the rewards for going and playing in a paper mythic championship are not the incentives are probably not really there. He's making a lot of money streaming. Right. But to have a person in your Premier League whose relationship to magic is this is the latest game that I play on my stream and people watch me and I make money off of it. And he doesn't embrace the competitive aspect of it. Like, what is that supposed to communicate to us when we are driving to MCQs on the weekend? Right. The I'm spending my whole day driving and playing Magic, which I love doing, but the entire goal is to go play in one Mythic Championship. Right. And, like, people cry when they win <laughs> MCQs. Yeah. Like, these are huge goals for people. And then to have one who's supposed to be one of the 32 faces of the game on his stream saying, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go. Like, he's not one of us. He doesn't care about this game the way that we do. Right. And the way that all of these Platinum Pros, and the way that Jessica, I believe, like, is clear. Jessica makes magic content. Like, she has advocated for more GPs in Australia. Right, right. Like, like she's one of us. Yeah. Uh, and I get the feeling that he is not and just, like, doesn't just doesn't care about this thing, which right. is fine. You don't have to. Right. But I think that should eliminate you from consideration for being one of the, like, 32 faces of the game. Right. Yeah. He, he got his slot through his public image, essentially. Yep. And... You know, I, I do think that he deserves to have the image that he does. He clearly puts in a lot of work to stream and, yep. and make all that content. I You know, and I think that that element of it is well-deserved. Right. I think he's... But, I, I agree. He's a great streamer. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But it feels like that, you know, that avenue that he has chosen is, like, already... Uh, already comes with its own benefits. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he makes money streaming... Uh, that is his job. He's successful at it. He's he's made it essentially. Yeah. And it it feels to me like the MPL is an opportunity for people who have dedicated to kind of the other side of magic, um, which is purely the game. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should be using these slots to give more opportunities to people who are, you know, dedicated to the game itself. Mm-hmm. not just the the show. Right, right, the show. Yeah, right. absolutely. Yeah. And that, right, because this sort of confuses the idea of, like, what is... And, and this is a thing that's that's happened on its own in the past several years. What is a Magic player? Like, what is a professional Magic player? Is right. Saffron Olive a professional Magic player? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, you know, like, what is the the thing that you really need to be providing. How much content do you have to make? What type of content do you have to make? Yeah. I am getting like kind of bombarded with the idea that the only type of content that really matters is streaming. And that And know. I don't you know, I don't know if that is true or should be true. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it could be that that is your best option. Mm-hmm. But there is a lot of other content out there that I think is very heavily consumed and very good. Yeah. You know, videos, I think people are continuing to learn how to make those more entertaining. Um, I mean, that was definitely one of the problems for a long time is that 
the videos that existed were created only on Magic Online and not edited well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I read at all. <laughs> um, but, you know, and that, that definitely, I think, pushed that category pretty far down, much further down than I think it could be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, and, and I think that kind of addressing your earlier point, the the line that there is to be drawn is that I think that there is a difference between being an entertainer and being a competitor. Yeah. Where I, it feels like you and I identify as competitors. We want to learn the ins and outs of the game. We want to in, improve ourselves in the game. And we want to have that translate into some sort of success, mm-hmm. uh, either by winning tournaments or just like, you know, having that um, success in the game. And being an entertainer is great, and the game needs entertainers. Sure. But the game also needs competitors. We, we need to find a better way to have both of these types of personalities that exist in the community kind of side by side. And right now it feels like we're being forced to pick one. But in my mind, you can't have entertainers for the game without there being a competitive game. A that, backdrop. Right. Right. And you can't really have competitors in a game without there being some entertainment value to value the, to the game, game itself. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it feels like we're in the process of picking one of those but that feels completely off to me right um well and i i think that also you know some there's ways of meeting in the middle that are not so good and i think to some extent the streamer contract portion of the mpl Mm -hmm. has not been the most successful thing in the world right because some of these players just are not they don't really want to stream yeah and they are not the best at it right because it's not who they are or what they do And that's honestly that's a big a big conflict recently for me personally mm-hmm. is that I don't view myself as an entertainer, mm-hmm. um, and I realize that if I embraced that side of things a lot more, I would be much more successful as a personality in the community. Mm-hmm. But I the enjoyment that I get out of the game is through the dedication to the the study of the game, right. I'm I'm um, thinking about when I like birding you playing like yeah. you know I don't if, if for anyone who hasn't watched Collins play um, <laughs> you know you like to think through every single possibility and every single line before you commit to anything which is not not that that is incorrect like that's clearly correct that's sure. clearly the way to play right. but you know I would definitely categorize categorize you as a very thorough player sure and while that is absolutely a place that you need to be and place that you need to be able to go to for playing at the highest levels of competition, mm-hmm. it comes with a cost when you are streaming or when you right. are trying to entertain with your gameplay. Yeah. Um, and and I kind of am right now searching for different ways of being able to put myself out there more in in a more genuine context of me and trying to deliver to the world the student mm-hmm. that I that I want to be mm-hmm. right I want to I want to be that student and 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 dig into the game and really do what I can to figure things out you know break formats do the things that I love and have that be accessible to people yeah because the other problem for me personally is that I operate 
best and am a better student when I'm like holed up on in my own like little universe, right? Yeah. And that's not really entertaining. <laughs> but anyways, the and the reason I'm talking about this is that I know that many other very successful the best players in the game can identify similarly where they believe that they are competitors. They're mm-hmm. students of the game. They just want to go through that avenue and and I think that what we what we want is for that avenue to to result in some sort of success, yeah. some sort of you know, right? We opportunity. we want a route for just being insanely good at magic, right? To have some sort of payback yeah. because it right. takes so much work to be insanely good right. at magic. But the problem with that whole philosophy is that you like if you know if you're only pulling from people like that, yeah, you're, you're going to end up with Owen Turtonwalls. Yep, and you yes yeah people who are student are clearly students of the game and love to learn and all that stuff and have those attributes but we also require a certain amount of moral integrity mm-hmm. that is less it, it you know maybe it's bad to say this but it feels like it is less likely for all those things to come together in some of the pure competitors I, I, I think of it like stat points sometimes. Yeah. Like, Owen Turtonwald clearly put all of his stat points into magic. <laughs> right. And, and I think he may have, he may be lagging behind in a lot of other areas. Right. And I, you know, my hope is that like time off of magic is going to allow him to grow in ways that he wasn't able to before. Yeah. You know, I don't know any of the details about his situation, but right. that's... That's the impression that I have. But yeah, you you can't just take somebody because they are really good at magic and then say, okay, time to entertain. Uh, and yeah. I think that, that that is a little troubling to me because I think that that's one of the things that encouraged the choosing of the people they did choose for uh, these slots. You know, Jessica Esteban, popular, pretty well known in the community, got some Twitter clout. Savit's obviously an entertainer. It's easy to picture them doing entertaining stuff, and it's much harder to picture Greg Orange doing entertaining stuff. Mm-hmm. I've met Greg. I like Greg. I think yeah. he's an interesting guy. I think Greg is hilarious. He is. I think really Loki, funny. He's he's a really funny guy. But he's really funny in a way that is. But it's pretty dry. He's very dry, and yeah. I don't think it would translate to. He's he's kind of an odd duck. Yeah. And I don't know like how he would come off on a stream or something like that yeah and i'm not super excited about a world where like this is the key determination for if you're gonna make it or not Mm. um you know it can be it can help decide a set of the slots or something i don't know what the perfect implementation of this is well for me it feels like the entertainer's have the avenue that they need to be successful mm-hmm. in entertainment is that mm. the content that they are creating can generate revenue on right. its own and and that avenue exists for them right they can make content and and make money off of that content and all that stuff yeah um and and i encourage that wholeheartedly i think that you know that has to exist in order for magic to continue to be a thriving the thriving community mm-hmm. right but it feels like the MPL, in my mind, was the other avenue for the pure students of the game competitors. Yeah, and I think the big thing there 
is, and I don't want to conflate the, the two things of affirmative action and like entertainer slots. You know, I creating spaces for uh, marginalized groups, I think is a noble and powerful goal. And I'm fine with like using the MPL to achieve that goal, especially if we can do it in a more structured way, I think is absolutely excellent. Putting the streamers into those spots, I think is troubling. And I think one of the main things that makes it so troubling is that this was the replacement for platinum. We right. don't have pro levels anymore. Yeah. The only way to stay qualified for pro tours is to be in the MPL. Right. And so to take that away from platinum pros and say, okay, we're going to give this to most of you instead. Mm -hmm. And then to like slowly pull that away from them without actually giving a replacement for platinum. It, it really does feel like we're, we may be on like a slowly shrinking ice flow or something like that right. for, yeah. for these, these players. Yeah. Um, and then not to mention like the non-platinum pros or the, you know, Platinum pros who were a little outside the Corey Burkharts of the world. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, also, especially like the gold players and stuff, like, you qualify for the pro tour, you got to spike. Yeah. In order to stay on, you got to go 11 and 5, which, like, let's be real, 11 5ing a pro tour is spiking a pro tour. Very difficult. It's hard. If you got one more win, you could just top eight the thing. Yeah, know? I know. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's like ten percent of the pro tour yeah. requalifies. So that's that's very hard. Now, not only do you have to like qualify and then requalify, you have to requalify every single time. You can't even if you like top sixteen two in a row or something like that, and then you just have a bad day one in the next pro tour. You got a PTQ again, or right. you got a, a mythic championship, or you got a you got a effectively top eight a, a gp again you're just out there's no earning there's no like like climbing up ranks or anything like that what we got with the npl is we got the end goal like finally rather than the pinnacle of magic being like well i get a total of like minimum wage from appearance fees and some tournament winnings like you get you get a job like right. it is sustainable we got the end goal, but we lost the like path to get there. Right. There's no. I can't picture how you do it from this point. Yeah. Um, and plus, we don't know how you get into the MPL. Any like for next year, we we still have no idea. So like, even like that part of the road is super unclear. But also, just like, I have no idea how anybody can play in more than a pro tour. Or playing more than like one mythic championship here or there if they're right. not in the MPL. Yeah, it's just impossible. And what what might end up being the case is that that is just the new norm. Is that training is a thing of the past, and there are the MPL players who have a consistent pro tour, and then I'm sure there will be a subset of players who do train who are you know the old platinum players, the people who are just good enough to mm -hmm. do that. But you know, for like like the gold and silvers of the past that is just no longer a, yeah. a viable option. Well, I mean, um, like, you know, LSV has o Ford Pro Tours. Right. Like, it just happens. This yeah. is a high... We we came in second in, two, in our tournaments <laughs> right. two weeks ago, right. and then we played in an MCQ, and you were done round two, and I was done round three. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that that's happens. how this game works, and right. you have to build into your system an acknowledgement of that. Right, right. Um. 
and I totally feel in my heart the frustration that all the former gold and silver pros just there's nothing there's nothing there's no climb anymore there's right. no way to stay there's no way to just keep going to yeah to mythic championships and i think that the biggest downside of that being the case is that that the whole structure is now no longer as sustainable mm-hmm. because the platinum players who exist now probably had years of being silver levels mm-hmm. or gold levels yep you need to have something to keep you afloat as you're going through the year like multiple year long grind that it takes to get even close to that level right um and it's but a- now you know if we're if we're like thinking f- into the future about like okay what is the next generation of MPL players look like what is the next generation of platinum pros look like mm-hmm. there's just so little incentive for the next generation to even try yeah and that that is really it, disheartening for me. It is has that, to change. Right. That In order for competitive magic to have a future, you need to be incentivizing the next generation of players to be putting in the work that the current players put in in the past and now take for granted. It feels like the whole structure is taking all of that work that the people put in for completely for granted. Now. Right. It, you, um, you don't get this good at playing in Pro Tours right. until you've played in... A dozen pro tours, right? So, so the fact that that incentive no longer exists, and the people who are you know used to like f- taste a little bit of the success, mm-hmm. and that's what kept them going. Like, I'm a silver pro this year. Yeah, I'm a gold pro this year. Right, that's huge. Right, that was that used to be a something. Now, now those stepping stones are you know you in order to make it, it feels like you have to like climb a mountain immediately. And then right. it's just another mountain to climb. And, Every, know, and there's nothing there to keep you yeah. going. Right. Um, and it's not even just, it's not even incentives. Because there weren't really incentives under gold and silver. Mm-hmm. It was pretty much just like, you are qualified now. Right. Yeah. But that's that's all it takes is the possibility. Right. And training used to be a very attainable goal. Is that, you know, a lot of upstarts, I remember talking to like, you know, years ago, like four years ago, when I was just getting started, I was ravenous for information about <laughs> like, what does it take? Right. And I talked to some people and they're like, yeah, you, if you dedicate for a long time, you can train pro tours. Yep. And that's, you know, if you get to that point, then you're, you've entered into this new stage of I've trained pro tours for long enough that I spiked a couple. And then that's an avenue into, um, you know, later success right Mm -hmm. and and the people who are in the NPL now they went through that whole journey yeah right but now the it doesn't feel like there's a journey anymore it's like you know okay if if you you know you have to make a name for yourself like in Mm -hmm. some other way maybe right we we don't like we don't even know we don't know we just don't know what it takes i mean we were in the kitchen yesterday talking to zan and jeremy and i were like Zan, you have to start streaming. Right. Just because he's told us his goal is, and, you know, this is a tough goal to have because we don't know how you accomplish it, mm-hmm. but he his goal is to play Magic at the highest level, which means being in the NPL. Right. And we told him we have no idea, you know, we were just chatting, but we were mm-hmm. like, we have no idea how you do this, but we know that the best way to set yourself up for it right now is stream all the time. Right. Yeah. And Zan, bless his heart, he's just not... You know, he's a student of the game. Mm-hmm. He 
loves the game and he wants to learn and he's probably one of the best players I know personally, you know, it feels like he's definitely in the category of players who, whose, you know, avenues are being closed off if anything else. Right. And I feel the same way mm-hmm. about, about, you know, cause I feel like I want to just completely dedicate to the game, but I'm, I don't identify as an, an entertainer as much. Right. I, you know, I, I feel like I have to force that kind of stuff out of me a lot. And podcasts for me, they're pretty easy because I'm, you know, a lot of people are listening, but right now I'm here talking to Chris. Yep. And and that's great. I like doing that. <laughs> but uh, so I like it too. <laughs> well, great. So that you know, I get to like have mental shortcuts or whatever. But I've streamed in the past, and it was very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Just kind of on, you know, I, I felt forced to be an entertainer. Where I wanted to just shut up and play Moto, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and we haven't gotten... So, I do love... I love Huey's stream. Because that's what he does. He just sits there and plays Arena. Right. Like, his opponent, like, top deck something. like That just, like... They, they go, like, Oh, Ketra, Merfolk Branch, Walker, Llanowar Elves. And he's like, oh, I guess they had it. And then <laughs> scoops and plays the next game. Right, yeah. And, like, he is not concerned. He, like, he, he'll explain his lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when Shahar shows up, he'll make fun of Shahar. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's just Huey being Huey and not worrying about being entertaining. And it, like, works because we know Huey at this point And we know he's good and stuff. And he's right. earned... He, like, Huey is a student of the game and not an entertainer. Yeah. But he's gotten there already. And so he's right. kind of allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. And it feels like probably you are not right. allowed to do that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I feel the pressure to to entertain. But mm-hmm. maybe I should just say screw it and, and maybe fire up a stream and just have it just me sitting there and clicking stuff and updating spreadsheets and <laughs> you know, all that stuff. So I mean you have to talk to your chat, but right. maybe you can just talk through lines and answer chat's questions about lines like right maybe i don't know how this works <laughs> yeah probably worth a shot boy uh other things so how many tangents did we go off oh, before we have well, to look at our list again <laughs> yeah i mean it's all it's all connected uh other things that are troubling you know they replaced travel vouchers with the like minimum prize at the mythic mm-hmm. championship which is unfortunately only five hundred dollars right so i saw multiple twitter threads of people who either scooped their finals or started a gofundme for travel money to go to the pro tour yeah. because it's so difficult to get to barcelona from the u.s on your own dime on your own dime yeah talk about more things that are disincentivizing players who want to grind to yep. just be able to do it. It's a huge barrier to entry. Right. I am now an adult with a job. Yeah. If I win an MCQ, I'm going to the Mythic Championship. Right. Yeah. If I'm a 16-year-old... If I was 16-year-old CCR and I spiked an MCQ and then they were like, you get $500 when you go there. Mm-hmm. You don't get anything now. The plane ticket is $1,400. <laughs> I'm I'm 16 years old. Right. Yeah. Right. You, you can't do that. I mean, yeah. I don't think at 16 I could have convinced my parents to to front that. That that seems unlikely to have happened. Right. So that's another huge barrier to entry. And we've got our MPL. We've got our good players to watch, and they are fun to watch. But if we don't have a B team, if we don't have a bench, and we're just kind of like losing that minor league or whatever comparison you want to make. Right eventually 
you know, these guys aren't going to play Magic forever. And we also don't want to just watch the same 32 people forever. Right. Yeah. So that, that's my biggest frustration is that we just, you know, the MPL, it's going to rotate. Yeah. Whether or not it's by Watsi's choice. Right. Yeah. We're just watching it happen. So, you know, create some sort of structure for that and create or facilitate expectations. Manage. There needs to be more expectations management. Yeah. I mean, we, we never got like a mission statement for what the MPL is. Right. We don't know what it's supposed to do. And it's clear that they have changed the concept of it in some way that's maybe not huge. 29 of the players are still just the people that they put into there at the start, but there, there seems to be some sort of direction change here, and we don't totally know what that entails. If, if the announcement had been, all right, we are going to make sure that our events are more diverse, and as a start, we're going to invite these two people from marginalized groups into the MPL. Then that starts making sense. Then, yeah. okay, we've got a cohesive thing going on. But the invitation of one person from a marginalized group and one white dude who streams and is popular, you know, really kind of upsets the balance there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Emma Handy made a good and important tweet, I think, about how uh, if they are serious about represent having representation for marginalized groups in their competitive magic, they need to look at marginalizing factors other than just gender so race is one and i think also things like disability like i would love to see brandon burton sandy dog mtg like what a phenomenal NBL player <laughs> you like, know he's a student of the game clearly. that i don't know that there's anyone who is more a student of the game than sandy dog mtg right um i don't know anybody who i've lost to more <laughs> mono red just <laughs> Like, like that, that would show a real commitment as well if they went outside of just, you know, invite one woman for diversity or something like that. If they, they really were going to look at different factors and really make an effort here. Yeah. Um, one spot in the MPL does not count, I don't think. Right. Yeah. Especially after it's been kind of like a, oh no, we need to find somebody now that the person that we had was not good. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good way of doing right. diversity. Yeah. So, yeah. Whew. But anyways. Yeah. Also, Mythic Edition. I tried to buy them. Oh. Oof. I am getting a, a foil one, sheet. I will say that the whole <laughs> drama around the Mythic Edition, I get it. <laughs> like it sucked and yeah. for all the people who uh got snubbed and then got hope again and got snubbed again that was me that was you and i know and i know <laughs> that that sucked but just like you know kind of from like a, a computer software perspective mm -hmm. stuff like that is gonna happen yeah i mean i think it is also a problem with the way that they're selling the product it should not they should not determine who gets it by like who manages to get through their effectively DDoS servers to <laughs> order the sure. product. Right. So probably more needs to be done on that computer engineering front. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. But, and I will give Wizards a lot of props. I think that they did do a reasonable job making it up to the players. Or, not to the players. The, yeah, the... The people who 
didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, they clearly are trying their best. Right. And clearly there are people yeah. there who are not, who are aghast that this happened. Yeah, no, for sure. But, you know, based on me kind of following all that go down mm-hmm. on social media, it seemed like it was an honest mistake and they did their best to rectify it. Yeah. Um, and I think you're not wrong. I just feel like these honest mistakes kind of happen a lot when you're dealing with Watsi. Yeah, well, that's true. And that's the main thing. Like, I'm fine with a mistake, but right. it's just like one in a series. Oh, no, for sure. And, it, you know, it didn't come at a good time in terms of right. Watsi's other public image stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. the uh, <laughs> I did see that, you know, there was that one law firm who set up doing a... Oh, a class action? A class action lawsuit. What are your thoughts on that? It's not going to go anywhere. Of course not. Like, that's not... There's yeah. no legal basis of, for it. It's going to cost a fortune to pursue it. And <laughs> it's there's no nobody had any rights to purchase this thing and just because you get a notification from a website that is in error does not like create a contract or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I thought that the whole thing was pretty funny. Yeah. But. I'm I'm not I'm not optimistic about their chances here. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so that's all that drama stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, All right, well, <laughs> I don't know. You spent like 10 minutes talking about standard drama episode. So yeah, standard. If you are going to SG Syracuse or an MCQ this weekend, mm-hmm. you care about standard. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about yeah, it. Yeah, let's do it. We've been working on it. Um, yeah. Having a pretty neat experience just in the house. Uh, like I'm just kind of around for the Lotus box hangouts. Yeah. Um, yep. Which seem to be extremely productive oh yeah shout yeah. out shout out to evan whitehouse and, That's what I was and say. Gabe corrigan <laughs> for being awesome additions to the team yeah evan is like just bringing the spreadsheet energy to the whole yeah. situation yeah, and, yeah. and I, I think that's very helpful so dex <laughs> the I, I feel like every night there's a focus on a new deck that becomes the like consensus broken deck for like a 12 hour period or so. And and it honestly it does feel like it's a 12 hour period. The magic the standard metagame is moving fast. Yeah. The best deck one day is going to be completely different the next day. Yep. Um so that's a it's interesting to watch and I think that that is facilitated a lot by uh how Arena has created such a high a higher volume of games of standard played. Right, there's a lot of churn. Right. Like you, yeah. You just keep jamming and stuff changes. Yeah. And Magic Online created that churn, you know, and it, there were definitely times in, you know, in standard where Magic Online dictated that churn and it did turn over mm-hmm. pretty quickly over the course of the week. Um but I think I do think that Arena has created a whole new animal in that context. It's much more difficult to keep up with. I, I, you know, there, there were probably at best like two thousand active players on Magic Online Standard yep. in, you know, in the heyday of of Magic Online Standard, right? right? But that's a very low number, and the people who are very seriously grinding Arena these these days, like, there's clearly way more than two thousand Mythic players right now, yes. because you know. There's the, the top thousand, and then there's like the ninety-one percenters or whatever. Right, right, um, right. And so, you're at like ninety-nine percent before you get to the top thousand. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot. Yeah. So the machine is cranking. I guess is what I'm Absolutely. trying to say. Uh, which is cool to watch. So as far as like individual decks go, I mean, you know, we're not that far from removed from week one 
like time wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and but these decks feel like kind of outmoded and, and old and busted at this point a right. little bit. You know, we had mono red just absolutely crush it, including in your hands at uh, it was great SCG Richmond. Bant Flash was also kind of like a breakout thing that got a bunch of attention. Mm-hmm. I do not think it is a good deck. <laughs> Fair. Um, yeah. Just seeing it played more, it just gets beat up by a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Put the Explore package in and like the deck is slightly better against red and slightly worse against everything else and like doesn't super function. I, I, I will say I am a little... I have to walk back my criticism of Oketra a little bit from our set review. In an Elves deck, the card just crushes mid-range matchups. So that that is definitely a thing. Yeah. Um, but overall, I'm just not super impressed with how the deck functions. Um, Esper mid-range has been kind of the talk of the town over the past couple of days. Just sort of take Esper control and you take out some cards and you put in some Grizzly Bears. And... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, Esper Midrange definitely sat on top for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, probably about two days. Yeah, that's it, a long time. Oh, yeah, no, it was, uh, and you know, and Esper is definitely still one of the top archetypes. Mm-hmm. Esper Midrange is definitely still one of the top archetypes. Yeah. But somebody posted on Twitter recently where, that it felt like the, the death shadow of standard right now where it's like quote unquote the best deck but it has no good matchups right it just has a lot of play so a good a, a bbd can, can yeah. beat some people with yeah, it. yeah 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 I, I do think that's mostly where the deck is at and especially having esper control be just an absolutely miserable matchup yeah like it's and it's bad against red too yeah. so you're just bad against both ends of the metagame right. in a which way is, that which is strange because it used to really beat up on red yeah but i think that was because the early iterations of esper were overloaded on life gain effects Mm -hmm. but now that um standard feels like it has kind of degenerated into a and this happens all the time in standard Mm -hmm. it's a it's a mid-range fight slugfest yeah it's a mid-range slugfest where everybody's trying to play mid-range decks that can beat all of the other mid-range decks that exist Mm -hmm. And, and I think that is a place where, like, Bant does have an opportunity because having Oketcher in your deck yeah. lets you beat Esper midrange pretty right. hard. No, for sure. So so that's interesting that, that the Esper midrange has been the deck that has kind of degenerated into something that is once again bad against Mono Red and Mono White. Yeah. Kind of the aggro decks of the format. And, it's, and they have to run this interesting balance because there's Esper Control as mm-hmm. well that is a, a very big role player still some might consider it to be the current best deck yeah just because it you know while everybody is doing the mid-range fight she just plays teferi and wins you again. just play control right yep yeah i um it it is an odd spot that these like mid-range like both bant and esper like i think they both well, especially Esper has, like, okay post-board games against Red. Yeah. But, like, Shock is so good against all of these decks. It's wild. Yeah. And I don't... I'm just not brave enough to take a deck like that to a paper tournament. <laughs> this is just sure. gonna be Mono Red. Right. Yeah. Um, that's just how paper tournaments work. Yeah. Um, and, and 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 so that's just... Uh, like, it is, it, it's a non-starter for me to be playing these two mana, two, two and three mana, two toughness creatures in my main deck. Um, I think you're just setting yourself up. Um, I, <laughs> it, 
Is It Phoenix won the Magic Online PTQ, yep. and also, I think, one of the paper, uh, MCQ, sorry. Um, I th- believe the concept behind that is that Phoenixes beat these mid-range decks. Yeah. And so if you, and you're okay against red, and maybe these Esper decks aren't running so many Cries of the Carnarium anymore, in which case you can actually steal a game one. Right. But uh, I do think the deck is kind of fragile, and you may be able to pick your spots, but these MCQs where it wins, you don't really see any more in the rest of the winner's metagame of the tournament. So Yeah. But, like, everybody in the SCG What We'd Play article was, like, <laughs> Telling people to play Is It Phoenix. There were, yeah, there were a lot of people who were fans of Is It Phoenix, for sure. Another archetype we should talk about are is the Planeswalker deck. Yeah. So, and I think this is not even just an archetype, but I think this is a defining feature of the format. Mm-hmm. The Planeswalkers are good. Yes. Right. Uh, we figured out which ones are good at this point, pretty it's, clearly. It's a bunch of them. It's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, and if you put them all in a deck and... It's a pretty good deck. Yeah, it turns out it, it works pretty well. Sarkin was the addition to this kind of blue-white Planeswalker deck that had already existed that I think really pushed that deck into Tier 1. Yeah. I, I think this deck is legitimately very good. Yeah. Um, so, who... And who was... I think... I think John Rolfe posted John Rolfe was the, was the first person to really talk about putting Sarkin in that deck. Mm-hmm. Um and I do know that Lee McLeod independently also came to a similar conclusion. Yeah. So <laughs> shout out to Lee for that. But yeah, that that was also uh, a pretty cool archetype that is that exists and I believe is powerful. Yeah, and adding Sarkin to the deck is just a very huge... You know, you're playing like a prison deck with the blue-white deck. You add red, you add Sarkin, and you just have turns where you kill them. Yeah. And that works because you, you are building like a pillow fortress kind of with your Planeswalkers. They're really good at buying like a bunch of time, but it can come crumbling down. Just like a haste guy in the right spot to kill the most obnoxious planeswalker. Yeah. And then you can kind of go from there and, and break apart the rest of the team. If you're just like Sarkin, 12 you. <laughs> this is, that's a rough spot for, for your opponent yeah. to be in. So I do think the deck is is pretty sweet. Uh, I really like you know, it started out, the deck was playing, like, Wraths, and then the Jeskai version allows you to play Deafen and Clarion, which is just way better in the deck. Yeah. Everybody wants to cut a Dovin from the deck. Dovin is, like, the heart piece to the deck that holds it together a little bit. <laughs> Do- yeah, Dovin's surprisingly strong. Yeah. It acts as a Thali effect, and... Um... It keeps and a removal spell. Honestly, it yeah. just feels like it's a removal spell. It, it, and it keeps Thieves of Sanity from hitting you, and it just like does a lot of things. Yeah, I, I know Lee had a story about uh, he had to he had a Sarkin turn, and his opponent was also on a bunch of Planeswalkers, and he needed to attack three of his opponent's Planeswalkers. Yeah, but he was at six, and his opponent had an Oath of Kaya in play. Uh oh. So he just minuses his Dovin on the Oath of Kaya. Oh! And that prevents all the damage that it would do. Brilliant. So Big brain. Shouts for that play. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. dope. Big brain. So some general things about the format that I've discovered, a, a lot of them are as a result of these Planeswalkers being good. Mm-hmm. I mean, number one, like, be ready to play, protect, threaten Planeswalkers. Yeah. Uh, one of the reasons that I've liked Thorn Lieutenant is it's, like, actually good at just, like, Dealing two to a Narset so it doesn't get them another card. Yeah. Um, and it's... Even if they aim a removal spell at it, it can still deal a damage to Planeswalkers. And Dovin is very bad against it. 
So pressuring planeswalkers is really good. Counterspells have lost a lot of utility. Yes. And that's showed up in the what the control decks look like. Mm-hmm. Is that control decks these days are leaning a lot harder towards tap out control. Yeah. Um, I've seen Esper control lists who are cutting down on their counter spells. Yeah, a lot of no absorb Esper lists. Yeah, for sure. And then also uh, Joseph Horton has been having a lot of success with Grixis tap out control, Mm -hmm. which is just a lot of cards that kill a lot of bedevils and Vrasis contempts Mm -hmm. and then like sweepers and stuff and then your own good planeswalkers. So you're prepared for, you know... Killing creatures, but also killing planeswalkers, which right. is which Bedevil is pretty key for. Yeah, so. and I think like to to kind of explain why like Absorb is in this pretty weak place right now. I mean, number one, Little Teferi exists. Yep, and if they're on the play and they play a Little Teferi, and you've got an Absorb in your hand, all it's of a sudden dead. it's dead. You just can't cast that card anymore. Yep, and that's really bad. Um, but also. Even if it's not a Teferi they cast, if it's a Narset they cast on turn three, you can't hold up counter magic against this board that they're developing now that's like getting them card advantage. Yeah. Or if they played like a Vivian on turn three or something like that, you can't hold up Absorb at that point. That doesn't right. really work. But Dovin's Veto has been seeing play in higher numbers uh, because being two mana, you can catch the three mana Planeswalkers and it's just generally a kind of busted card. Um, the Elder Spell, seeing significant online play at this point. Yes, there are plenty of Planeswalkers, and the Elder Spell is a very strong addition. Yeah, just yeah, answers sure. them. Yeah, you kill three or four Planeswalkers yeah. with it? How many Planeswalkers you got? All right, let's get them. Let's just <laughs> get them. Yeah. Um, so I'm really glad that exists as a safety valve for the format. Yeah. That's That seems like a great card design, great addition. Yeah. Uh, I tried playing some of the Sam Black... Uh, blue green ramp deck. Yeah, the like the mass, mass manipulation all deck. in mass manipulation deck. Right, um, definitely like kind of fragile. Definitely very powerful when it works. Um, the main lesson that I think is the takeaway from it is that Nissa does not uh, for some reason like I shortcutted while evaluating the card to being like this has to be in like a mostly mono green deck. If you have two or three forests in play, she's still making a lot of mana for you. Yeah, so you can run a blue 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 spell. Sure. In your Nissa deck, and it's okay. Right. And and it'll make that X very large. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. uh, you can steal a lot of Planeswalkers with that spell. Yeah. Um, so, and yeah, I think that this deck may be a little too linear and, like, focused on, like, beating these mid-range decks sure. with right. Mass to be, like, a real thing going forward. But the concept of Nissa is good. You don't have to be all for us to do it. You can run Hydroid Crisis with it easily and yeah. stuff. Yes. Yeah. Is an important takeaway. For sure. Um, kind of overall thoughts on Standard. While while we're pretty upset with WotC right now for other reasons. But Standard is good. Uh, I think Standard is in probably the best state that it's ever been. All of the decks are competitive with one another. Um, there, it's not close to being solved. There's no best deck that continues to exist mm-hmm. for an extended period of time. And honestly, if you're hoping to play something this weekend, my my biggest piece of advice for those people is to play what you're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Play what you know the best. Play the deck that you know the ins and outs of, the deck that just kind of speaks to you, and if you can identify what that deck is for you, I think that that is 
going to be your best height, like highest win percentage deck mm-hmm. for whatever event you're trying to compete in, which is awesome. Yeah, I that is that is where I want st- just magic in general to be. I want everybody to be able to pick decks that fits their style and have it be very competitive in in the format. Yeah. And I think that if you pick your deck and put in the work to understand the ins and outs of it, tune it to what you expect the metagame to be for your tournament and have plans for each of those matchups, it doesn't really matter which of these strategies you choose as long as you're checking all of those boxes for preparation off. Mm-hmm. I think that you are going to have success. Yep. I think that one of the biggest reasons that Monored did really well in week one was that that was still true, but Monored was kind of the easiest thing to get right. Right. You know, right. where Absolutely. the people who, the, the like the very experienced players who played Monored at the tournament checked all those boxes off really quickly and then were able to do all that tournament. But all the other decks, it takes so much more work to kind of get there on... Um, <laughs> this Planeswalker deck has gone through a couple of iterations. A ton of iterations, for sure. But people have had ridiculous amount of success. Just, you know, the the whole thing with uh, Joseph Horton and his Grixis control deck mm-hmm. is that he built that deck, it sounds like, and understood how it worked against each of the archetypes and then has been crushing with it online. Yep. So, um, and that, to me, makes a lot of sense. That, like, yeah, you're going to get success out of playing something that you understand and you know well. and Definitely. And you can have success with that archetype. I, you know, I think that that's the same reason that Is It Phoenix did well at the Moto PTQ. Is that I I would put money on the player who won that PTQ um, just really understood ins and outs of Phoenix really well. It suited their play style. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they were able to translate that into results. Yep. Oh, by the way, and I, I think I said this before, but maybe not as emphatically. Uh, finale of Promise is great. That card is the 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 red finale. Oh, in okay, is yeah, 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 really good. It reloads right. you. It triggers Phoenix. It just works. Um, the annoying thing is you can't cast it with a Teferi, in, a little Teferi in play on the other side of the table. Ooh, yeah. Um, so the three mana Planeswalkers are like kind of a problem for the Phoenix deck in in weird ways. Uh, I. I was playing it a few days ago, and people kept putting Narset into play in turn three, and I was like, okay, I guess I lose. And then they would minus two their Narset, and I would hard cast Narset, play Phoenix, and kill it. <laughs> yeah. And then I would go on to win the game. Right. So don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Narset as an enchantment is so Great. powerful against yeah. Phoenix. Right. And but what a, what a perfect example of what I'm talking about, where the players who keep it at five... That is them getting rewarded for their understanding of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the more elements and pieces like that that exist in the game, I think the better. It's going to be. I I agree. It's just like a you know you get the knowledge you played this matchup before and you're like right. okay, you know what I'm not gonna do this. Narset go. Narset go. Right. It's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I promise. I promise it's good. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways. Anyways. Um. Let's see. I think, I mean, there's a billion things to talk about in standard, but yeah, like the the takeaway is if you come up to me and you say, I'm playing this Planeswalker deck with Sarkins, mm-hmm. or I am playing this Command the Dreadhorde deck, yeah. or I am playing this uh, Hero of Precinct 1 deck with Teferi in it. None of those decks, if you say I'm playing this, I'd be like, 
I don't know why. Like, yeah. you can do a lot of stuff in this format. No, for sure. Yeah, and, like, literally, our team is, like, a little lost right now. We're like, <laughs> we don't know what to play this weekend. And because the reality is that we've been winning with a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff is viable. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's any, like, archetype that is popular right now that I would poo-poo right now. I think that, like, everything is, like... Oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. good. It's a good arc. That that's one of the good archetypes, right? Yep. So um, that's awesome. Yeah, so I love it. Hyped to keep working on this. Hyped to see where things go this weekend. We've also got the mocks this weekend. <laughs> True. Which I didn't know about until a couple of days ago. Magic Online Championships. Magic Online still a thing. It's it going to have a weekend of publicity. It's going to be great. Mm. Um, Just to tie back to our topic one of all the drama stuff that's going on, yeah. what's what's the prize for the mocks? Oh, because no. it's not platinum anymore. That's not a thing, right? That like was, the winner. You're asking what the winner gets? Yeah, in the, terms the of win- incentives. winning the mocks used to make you a platinum bro. It cannot do that anymore. Winning the mocks, in my mind, should be an avenue towards Into the MPL, MPL, right? That just makes sense to me. I don't know, but I don't know. Yep. So we're just gonna throw our hands in the air a lot. Yeah, on this podcast, <laughs> right, this yeah. audio medium. Uh, yeah, all of the, all of this episode has just been like if you hear a little thumps every once in a while, it's just the the. <laughs> I I am looking forward to tuning into the mocks this weekend. I cannot make it to Syracuse. I'm just doing moving stuff and having a chill weekend, and probably yeah. will finally watch Avengers. Yeah, are um, you gonna are you gonna try to go to the uh, the MCQ? I don't think so. I think it's a little too far away. Yeah, I appreciate fair. Will's. You know, Will Pulliam offered offered me space on his couch. Yeah, I do appreciate it, but I think I really need to, you know, finish moving. Have in. a weekend. I don't have I anything just... on my walls in here. Like, <laughs> yeah, got to take care of that. So, but yeah, so I am looking forward to watching the mocks mostly because I want to like hear them try to explain what you get for winning this yeah. tournament. Just it's probably just a bunch of money, which it's, is you know great. It's fine, but yeah. yeah. That was never really the prize for the tournament. Right. Um, yeah, so, cool. Talked about a lot. Okay, so for our Patreon question of the week, Panama Kid asks, is Mono Red a week one thing, or will you play it four weeks, you know, two, three, four mm-hmm. of the format? Yeah. Uh, as someone who had great success with Mono Red, <laughs> what's your feeling on that right now? Well, and, what, and what are you most likely to play this weekend? It is Thursday. Right. Um... So, yeah, so I played Mono Red week one. It was great. Mm-hmm. I played Mono Red week two, which was the MCQ. It was not great. Yeah. Well, the deck was great, but, uh, you know. It, it didn't it, go great. It didn't go great. Um, but I, did, I didn't I did mind it as a choice for that weekend. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up making a last-minute change that I think was pretty bad for me, uh, which was that I put the Experimental Frenzies in the main deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just completely changes the play style of the deck. Mm-hmm. I think that it becomes a different archetype almost at that point. I think so. And it didn't suit the way I wanted to play the deck at all. And I found that, that punishing for me at the tournament. Mm-hmm. But, you know, going back to the deck that I know, I think that my current front runner for this coming weekend is still going to be Mono Red. Okay. It's the deck I know the best, and it's also... You know, I think that it's in a better position now than it was immediately after it won, um, where people are, you know, the format's moving so fast that people have almost kind of forgotten about it. I get that feeling. Yeah. Every time I see somebody, like, talk about a deck and they're like, check this out. Or all the deck lists that I've seen are really soft to moderate. Just so many Incubation Druids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, like, pretty much every... 
every like deck description is like, yeah, it's probably not that great against mono red. Just like over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Still working on the mono red. Mono matchup. red is the dredge of the format where <laughs> it's always going to exist. It's always going to be good mm -hmm. and you have to continually respect it. And as soon as you don't, it's going to run you over. And I think that a lot of this like investigating into the format is forgetting about the existence of mono red mm -hmm. and it just is sitting there ready to beat people up yeah um right and that's why i'm not i would not play bant flash i would not play esper hero right i just you're gonna play against mono red at some point in the middle or like it's gonna happen mm -hmm. um and so you know like i i'm still working on gruel just because the game one against mono red is so good. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's a good way to spike is just be yeah. like, here's my deck that's great against mono red, fine against most stuff. Right. And that's honestly probably, I don't know if I would play that or Jeskai Planeswalkers, but it would be one of those two. Okay. So that, those are your picks. Yeah. Those, those Jeskai are, Planeswalkers I've been pretty impressed with. I It just is surprisingly powerful and gives you a lot of interesting things to do. So, yeah. yeah. Well, cool. Cool. All right, well, thanks everybody so much for listening. Really appreciate your time. Uh, if you want to find us, we are on Twitter. I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore Grindcast. Collins is also on Twitter. At Collins Bowen. Uh, you can find us on our website, mtggrindcast.com, where we've got all the old episodes and stuff. Uh, we also have links to Collins's coaching services, as well as links to our Patreon, or you can go straight to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. If you want to support us, that would be super awesome. We'd really appreciate it. Um, if you are in Syracuse this weekend, are you locked on Syracuse? I am not going to be in Syracuse. You're not going to be in Syracuse. Okay. Yep. So, all right. We will not be at Syracuse. If you're in Syracuse, have fun. Take it down. You know, play mono red or play a deck that respects mono red. Yes, is our final advice. <laughs> yeah. Thanks a lot for listening, and have a great week. Peace.